Good morning. Let me remind you this morning as I welcome you here to, if you have a prayer request, to uh, raise your hand. We'll get one of the ushers to bring you a card. And if you'd like for it to be shared with the congregation, please put a check mark. I want to remind you of a few things. First of all, of course, tonight we'll have our regular Sunday night programs, kids, choir, mission kids, Bible study. We also, this coming week, it's the first of the month again. I, it's hard to imagine that the first month's already back here, but it is. And we have our Wednesday supper. It's on March the 6th at 5.30. That's this Wednesday. Now, a couple of announcements coming up. These are, these are kind of long-term. Whoops, wait a minute, I forgot one. Daylight savings time. Daylight savings time is next Sunday. Next, oh, Saturday, next Saturday night. Next Saturday night, daylight savings time. Spring forward one hour. Now, as far as, as the uh, Lenten and Easter season, here's a couple reminders. Easter lily orders, uh, the deadline for Easter lilies is next Sunday, next Sunday. And then Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday is 24th, March the 24th which is when we'll, of course, bring in the palms and bring back our special Lenten offering. I hope you're filling up your banks for a special Lenten offering. And then that week, Holy Week, we, that Thursday night is the Holy Thursday or Maundy Thursday communion service. And then Saturday, March the 30th, before Easter Sunday, at 2 o'clock in and around the Family Life Center, Please plan to join us. So I'm going to tell you, tell you a funny story. The, the, we had heard, we had, was told where we were going. <laughs> and so we made a trip from Rock Hill over here. And we drove by Memorial Church at the time y'all were doing Easter egg hunt last year. <laughs> so I saw a whole bunch of you, but I couldn't stop talking to you yet and tell you. Now was your new pastor coming. But I, but I saw you out there. Um, but that is Saturday at 2 p.m. Now, Sunday is the 31st. That's normally a fifth Sunday, but because it's Easter, we're not going to combine services. We're going to have our regular 9 and 11 o'clock services on Easter Sunday. So make sure everyone knows that. Bring a friend, bring your family. Okay. And I believe that is all that I have. It is. Let us stand and sing and worship together.
There's a day that's drawing near When this darkness fades to light And the shadows disappear And my faith shall be my eyes Jesus has overcome And the grave is overwhelmed The victory just this chance to come and worship your name, Lord. We rise up and we praise you and we worship you with just a joyful song this morning. Lord, help us during our Lenten journey. Help us to feel the transformation that you're doing within our hearts and within our lives. Help us to embrace any changes that you are making within us, Lord. We praise you and we love you. Amen. Abraham, Simon, and the Peter, Saul, and the Paul, sinner and the saint, mourning in the sadness, joy from the gladness, something about the change ain't God so great, it's all about the change, it's not who you are right now, there's a difference between faith and one might seem to be. Is what he thinks of me. It's all about the change. It's all about the change. Lost in the found defeat, in the victory, hate, in the love and war, in the peace. Lions in the 
children strong and the weak. It's all about the change. It's not who you are right now. There's a difference between pain and what might seem to be. It's not what I think. It's what it Order from the chaos, old and new. Darkness in the light and water in the wine. The anger grows within to turn the other cheek. God sees so much more than we could ever see. It's all about the change. It's not who you are right now. There's a difference between faith and what might seem. What it thinks of me It's all about the change It's all about the change It's not who you are right now It's not who you are right now It's not who you are right now It's who you're gonna be Tell them good morning. And children, come to the carpet for the children's sermon. Good morning, everybody. I'm glad you're here today. How many of you like to eat apples? Yeah, me too. They're one of my favorite snacks. Um, my favorite's Red Delicious. That's what I brought today. Do y'all like those? All right. Well, there's a lot of different ways that people enjoy apples. Can you think of some ways that we could eat apples? Yeah. What's one? Yep, you could eat yellow apples. Yep, what else can we do with apples? You can dip them in peanut butter and eat them. That's my favorite, to dip them in something. Yep, what else? Yeah, chocolate's good on them. What else? Apple pie. And caramel, yep. And cut them up, and apple cider. There's all different ways we can eat apples, right? All right. Well, I'm sure that you all know where we get apples from. Where do they come from? A tree. You're right. They come from apple trees. Yeah, that's where I got mine from the store. Yeah, you're right. All right. Well, what would you do if you planted an apple tree outside and you watered it and you took really good care of it, but it never produced any apples? That wouldn't be much good, would it? 
Not much of an apple tree. Well, Jesus told a story about a man who had a fig tree in his vineyard that didn't produce any figs. For three whole years, he waited for the tree to produce fruit, but still nothing. He went to the man who took care of the tree and told him to cut it down. The caretaker asked the owner to give him just one more year to dig around the tree and fertilize the tree and to see if it would produce some figs. The owner agreed to give the tree another chance. In telling this story about the fruit tree, Jesus was really talking about us and about God. God has planted us on this earth, and he expects us to produce good fruit in our life. What kind of fruit does God expect, though? Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and gentleness. When he doesn't see these things in our life, he is disappointed, but he's always willing to give us another chance. Jesus wants to care for us and help us to be the kind of fruit-bearing children that God wants us to be. And if we trust in him, read his word, and pray, he will help us to produce a lot of good fruit. If you'll bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, help us to have the kind of fruit in our lives that would be pleasing to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And I have an apple for you. And parents, I've washed them so they're safe if anybody wants to go and eat one. Again, this time of prayer. We have, uh, we have any prayer cards? Okay. I want to lift up Bob Dunlap, who I was telling you he's doing so much better in his physical therapy. He actually uh, lifted his uh, um, arm, his hand, all the way above his head, which is a great accomplishment. But he's suffering this week from uh, uh, UTI, and I want you to uh, remember him in your prayers. They've got him on uh, IV antibiotics. So we want to remember Bob. I also want you to remember the family of uh, Harold Hicks, who was a member of our congregation, who was a shut-in, who passed away, and uh, I assisted with his funeral Friday. And I want to, uh, as a praise report, I want to welcome back Katie. Hey, Katie, we're glad you're back. I know everybody's glad you're back. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Oh God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. Oh Lord, as we continue our Lenten journey, we know that you have all the grace that we need. We know that you can satisfy all our hungers, all our desires. And we pray and come before you now, humbly asking, oh Lord, to fill us. But we must confess, oh Lord, that even though we know that from generation to generation you sustain your people, Oftentimes when we con confront or encounter the storms of life, uh, instead of running to you as our refuge, we look for everything else. Uh, we know that uh, you want us to bear fruit, and yet we bear little. We know that you have offered us 
the comforts of heaven. Instead, we seem to prefer what comforts we can make here on earth. We know that we're good for nothing and should be tossed in the fire like the fig tree. But we ask that you'd spare your wrath upon us, that you'd forgive our sin again this day, that you'd free us once more to follow with joy your ways. And we pray your Holy Spirit would, con- would lead us this week and sustain us in all that we say and do. We pray your tender mercy and compassion uh, upon all those who we've listed on our prayer list, those we've named, and those we name in our heart now. Oh God, be their help. Take them into the shadow of your wings. Uphold them with your right hand and give them strength. Oh Lord, let this uh, be a- let them be able to bear whatever trials that are before them. Oh, oh Lord, we pray also this day for, uh, for our own strength to bear our own trials. We lift all this up in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us when we were together to pray these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we have a parable to look at, and as we have already heard in the children's time a little bit about it, let me give, it, give you the scripture that, follow, that precedes it and then the parable. This is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered. Well, let me let me explain that. There was uh, there, there was a tragedy had bef- had befallen uh, some of the believers, uh, and uh, that's the way it was uh, described. Do you think that these guys, Jesus answered when they when he was asked this about this? Jesus said, "Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way?" I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. That would be obviously something everyone knew about, like a recent tragedy. Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? And sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Oh Lord, we hear, we hear, repent, beware, be alert. And then we hear about a fig tree that was going to be cut down, but one more chance was given. And help us to connect all that, oh Lord, within our own life as we understand what you would have us to hear today. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, now, this scripture begins, you see, with this question about some tragic news, and then Jesus refers to something else. It's kind of like if we were talking about, did you know so-and-so, this happened to them? And oh, by the way, and also you know what happened the other week. You know, it was this implication in these comments is that those, though, that were killed, uh, those killed tragically somehow got what they deserved. But I believe what Jesus is saying to us in his reply is that we make sense of the senseless by considering the universality of sin. In other words, the message that Jesus is trying to convey is that because of sin, all of us suffer a lot. That that's the root of every uh, tragic circumstance is there's some type of sinful behavior usually behind it. Uh, someone questioned me that on that one time, and I said, well, maybe, let's just talk about this. I said, maybe the item that was being used was defective, and maybe the reason it was defective is somebody cut a corner somewhere. And that cutting of the corner is a sin. You see, that's the way to understand it. But you see, the thing is that Jesus is saying, look, there is sinfulness everywhere. There is sinfulness everywhere, and God does not delight in that fact. Rather, God calls us to live in a certain way uh, in our everyday living that is in opposition to the pervasive sin of our world. And to help us understand that, Jesus teaches this parable. Now, before I go into the parable a bit, I want to tell you that in seminary, one of the things they teach you is that usually within every parable, you can see something that represents God something that represents humanity, and usually there is something that recommend, rec, uh, recognizes the sacrifice of Jesus. Thinking about this parable here in those terms, okay, you will see that the fig tree represents humanity. Humanity. And the vineyard owner who planted the tree is God the Creator. And we see that the first three years the creator, the vineyard owner, has shown much patience for the barrenness of the fig tree. In other words, the tree has lived more than long enough to bear fruit, you see. We as human beings have lived more than long enough in this world to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Now the vineyard owner is disappointed God the Creator is disappointed, and He invites into the equation the gardener to take new action. And the gardener, I think, in this particular parable is the Christ figure. Because you see, Christ the Redeemer understands intimately the Creator's delight in His creation, and also His disappointment in His creation. And so the gardener offers a new action that he would partake in, that he would do. And he says, instead of immediate judgment, namely, namely digging up this fig tree and throwing it into the fire, the son, represented by the gardener, says, look, have more patience. 
just for another period of time, have some patience and allow me to sacrifice my time and effort on behalf of the fig tree. So you see, you have the Lord saying to the Father, the Son saying to the Father, allow me a little more time to work with those humans just a little longer. And then if they don't bear fruit, by all means, throw them into the fire. And so the barren fig tree continues to live, at least for another year. Now another very interesting thing when you study this scripture is that the Greek phrase that is used, that is used there, that is translated into English, actually can be translated into let it alone or leave it alone. It's, in other words, we often translate that to forgive or pardon. So pardon or forgive them. And indeed, it's the, same, it's the very same Greek phrase that comes out of the mouth of Jesus Christ on the cross when He appeals to the Father from the cross when He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. It can also be translated, leave them alone. They don't know what they're doing. Leave it alone. Leave them alone. Forgive them, Father, and let them live a little while longer, and then maybe they will bear fruit. And if they don't, by all means, you will have every right to cut them down and throw them into the fire. And so what you have here in this reply to the folks there, okay, is Jesus actually explaining to us the, how the Holy Trinity works on our behalf. You see the graceful action of the Holy and Blessed Trinity. You see, there you have Jesus always before the Father, always beside the Father, always before the Father, asking on our behalf, interceding on our behalf for one more year, for one more chance, for one more time. And the Holy, while the Holy Spirit can nurture, you see, and fertilize and, and help the growth, the Trinity at work, because the Scripture tells us that it is the Son and no one else who will offer the reconciled creation back to the Father. And it is also the Son to whom the Father has committed all judgment over creation. So to me, what that means is this, and this is an important word for us to hear today. This means that Jesus will never go back on His word that He came to save the world. Jesus will never go back on His Word that He came to save the world. And that's an important word of assurance. You see, Jesus is always there working to save us. Giving us the grace to live a little longer. The grace to renew our purpose for being planted here on earth to start with. The grace and the opportunity to bear fruit Jesus is always at work on our behalf. Jesus is always interceding to the Father on our behalf. You know, uh, the world likes to think that salvation is some kind of pat on the back from God because of something we may have done or done right. But it's not. It's because of the cross of Jesus it's because Jesus became sin for us. It's because Jesus 
was sent outside the gates of the holy city for us. It's because Jesus was hung up and cut down for us. It's because Jesus was regulated to the depths of death for us. And then this same Jesus who on the cross said, let them be, forgive them, leave them alone, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Comes to us with His body scarred by nails and spears. He still comes to us not to see if we've been good. He comes to disturb, I believe, the conventions by which we pretend to be good. Jesus doesn't come to see if we're sorry. Jesus knows that our repentance is not worth the hot air we put in it. You see, Jesus has accomplished it. It's because of Jesus, nothing that we can say or do, and it's only because Jesus has come and interceded to the Father and said, I come to forgive. I come to help. I come to intercede. I'm always there trying to save the world. That is why I was sent. You know, if you, if you think about it, we really are like a fig tree <laughs> that is barren. We're, we're really too far gone to matter. Uh, we have not and our own human efforts, been able to do much at all about the condition of the world. We really haven't done what we should do. We deserve nothing. We take up valuable space. And we should probably be cut down and put into the fire. But through the labor of the gardener, the beloved son, we're saved for another day. Because our roots are intertwined with His resurrected roots. And the soil in which we're planted in is fertilized by His precious life-giving blood. And Jesus does everything that we cannot do. And I thank God for that. Jesus makes sense out of the senseless by giving us hope. And that all that we are to do, and all that we're to do, but nevertheless, this is very, very important, is to do one thing, and that is to accept the work of the beloved Son, the gardener, on our behalf, and to begin to try to bear fruit in this life. That is what is required of us. To accept what Jesus is doing on our behalf. And then do every effort that we have to bear fruit in this life. You know, there's an old story about a little kid who was coming home from school with his friends and he passed his grandfather, they passed the grandfather's house and as they passed the house, they saw that his grandfather was out on the porch in his rocking chair as he usually was in the afternoons. He had a big black book in his lap and he was reading intently. And one of Johnny's friends said, Johnny, what's, what's your grandfather doing? And Johnny replied matter-of-factly, Grandpa is cramming for the finals. Grandpa is cramming for the finals. My friends, our Lord and Savior is patient with us. He cultivates us. He tends to us. He, 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 you know, he's been described as the hound of heaven because he will not give us up. He won't leave us alone. He comes after us. He pursues us. He wants us to thrive and to grow.
But one day we will be called home. And you know, Jesus comes back every day when someone passes. Jesus comes back into their life. And the question I've always thought will be, will be did we bear fruit? Because Matthew 25, 31 describes judgment this way. It's the separation of the sheep and the goats. And the sheep and the goats are separated by their actions, or fruit if you will, as it concerned the least among us. I believe that the good news today is this that no matter what kind of deadbeat you are, and I know I am one, no matter what kind of deadbeat we are, as long as I am in Jesus Christ, I can live. And I have the potential to bear fruit. As long as Christ's death feeds my roots of existence, I can live on, and so can you. And that is great assurance that we have as we continue our Lenten journey. So the next time the evil, evil one reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. For today is the day to respond in gratitude to God for his patience that far exceeds our human comprehension. You know, the scripture that says, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord, I believe is one that we can all say amen to because we cannot understand. Most of us would agree with the owner of the vineyard and say, cut it down, it's worthless, it's never going to be anything. Most of us can understand that. But it's so hard for us to understand someone who will come and sacrifice their very blood and guts and, and glory for us so that we have another chance to live. But lest you're too hard on the Creator in the parable, remember that it is the Creator, the owner of the, of the fig tree, the owner of the, of, the, of the vineyard, who has seen who has seen that the fig tree has lacked something because it's the Creator who invites in the gardener and the gardener who willingly sacrifices his time. You see, we have needed and we continue to need each and every day that tender love and care that can only come from one who loves us and delights in us. And that's Jesus Christ. He offers us that love and care. Jesus is the way to a fruitful life. Jesus is the one who gives you purpose. This Lenten journey is about Jesus Christ. It's about renewing your faith by examining your faith. It's about understanding that without this walk to the cross, there could be no resurrection and new life. Without Jesus Christ, you couldn't even be a disciple. You might be a disciple of something, but you wouldn't be a disciple of Jesus. What Jesus Christ is saying to us today, I believe in this scripture, is that there will come a time, there will come a time when we must face our Maker. How we live between now and then 
how we bear fruit, whether we stay within those resurrected roots and that soil fertilized by the Lord's blood. This is how we determine whether or not we'll be the disciple God wants us to be. And that, my friends, is my admonition for us all, for us to be the disciples that God wants us to, true, to be. And I offer you these words this third Lenten Sunday to give you hope and to offer you an assurance of peace with God because of the action of the gardener the Lord Jesus Christ, on behalf of creation. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We're called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We're not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated, and I ask the ushers if they'd come forward now to receive our tithes and our offerings. was lost but now I'm found I once was lost but now I'm found so far away but I'm home now I once was lost but now I'm found and now my life so was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. I don't know how, but when he touched me, I once was blind, but now I see. And now my was dead but now 
my 
service has ended. Go forth in peace and to serve. Amen.